0: Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Cynthia Anderson about her just released book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Thinking Differently About Discipleship. Cynthia, it's been a little while since we talked last. Give us a bit of an update. What's been happening for you?
1: I just got back from Uganda, where we had a YM Frontier Missions, what's called a full NETS conference. And I had the privilege of doing a workshop there and speaking there and training Ugandans to multiply disciples. So that was amazing. I loved Uganda. It was my first time there and uh yeah i got to meet in person some of the people we've been training through our online course and what a joy that was i it's amazing what god's done through online training after covid but boy isn't it fun <laughs> when we get to be face to face and actually eat together and Talk about things in person. So that was really fun. Really enjoyed getting to meet those people and, and invest in them. We got to share with people who were at our guest house that we were staying in and uh, got the privilege of leading a young Muslim man to the Lord. And we started a discovery Bible study in the evenings after the conference and um with the hotel staff and yeah still in touch with them so that was super fun and yeah.
0: Cynthia you've you've got a book coming out I know we've talked before about um how God's been shaping your thinking around the whole theme of of mind shifts um tell us tell us a bit about the the title of the book and and what led you to to write it it's
1: called the multipliers mindset thinking differently about discipleship And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you because you have been a real encourager to me in this process of writing a book and getting it out. It's being released on September 7th. It's something that's been on my heart for a long time. And we've actually talked here on your show about multipliers, about mindset shifts, as you said. but I I really worked on the book thinking that the things that we'd been learning that have catalyzed movements and multiplication are something that we want to share with others. And um, that was maybe about 15 years ago, really, where it kind of started. I was, um, I was sitting in India in my garden. It was early morning, and I was praying and crying out to God. And we had heard about church planning movements, we had heard about multiplication, we'd been reading all the books, including yours, trying to put it into practice. And um, we weren't seeing the kind of results and fruit that um, that we had hoped we would and kind of expected if we did everything right, so to speak, you know, and so I was sitting there in the early morning in my garden with my coffee, (laughs) my coffee drinker and Tears were streaming down my face. I was crying out to God, God, what, what is going on? What do we have to do differently? What needs to change? And um, this phrase popped into my mind, which is actually the the title of the first chapter of the book. Um, you know, are we a little league team trying to win the World Series? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it, you know, how big baseball is where you're at in Australia or the people who are listening, but it's a baseball metaphor. I grew up playing baseball on a little league team. Um, You know, little league is the the team for kids where they can barely hit the ball, you know, and the dads and moms cheer and they fumble around. But um, I was second baseman on my little league team. Anyhow, we were, uh, this this metaphor popped in my mind. Are you a little league team trying to win the World Series, which is the World Series, like the World Cup and soccer? Yeah. And um, I felt that way. I felt like we're just a bunch of ordinary people who have issues fumbling around, making mistakes, dropping the ball. And how in the world will we ever see a church planting movement which is like that world series in my mind, you know, and um, I just began to dig into the book of Acts and dig into the gospels and ask that question of God. And it was really a turning point where I almost gave up. I almost quit, you know, pursuing movement. But God put faith in my heart as I dug into the book of Acts. I know you have your book on Acts recently. And just going through the book of Acts, God began to show me it's ordinary people that he's always used fumbling people, people with issues that he's chosen and used. And so for me, that was kind of that turning point of deciding, yes, I want to do this, I want to keep going, determining in my heart, that no matter what, I was going to pursue this um, multiplication. But then a number of years later, maybe 10 years later, as we had continued and still weren't seeing things happen, we had a gathering of youth with the mission leaders. And we was in a a country here in Asia. And we, we formed a group that we called the greater fruit group. And we started talking together about what is it that needs to change in our thinking and in our mindsets. And as we did that, Uh, God began to highlight things. um, And we began to change both our first our thinking, our -hmm. thinking had to change before our actions could change. And then our behavior began to change, which then resulted in different fruit. And we started to see the release of movements. And we saw 19 new movements in in the next like three years after we went through that process, and just dramatically different results. So I know that's a long answer with a story there, but to get back to your question, why the book? Because I really want to see those people who are striving to see multiplication, but not seeing it yet, be able to experience that same kind of release, and to be able to go through a process of examining their mindsets. And then as they do that, Seeing those changes that I know will, res- will result in greater fruit for, for experience. them.
0: Experience. I don't think anybody sees multiplication without that wrestle and that shift in their thinking. And it's not just an intellectual thing, but you know, like Peter at, at, at uh, that rooftop in Jopper and then Cornelius' house. Mm-hmm. House. It's. There's a mental side to it. There's a spiritual and a, a, an aspect of your will. There's humility you've got to grow in. Um, what, what are you learning about how God facilitates those those shifts in us? What's What's our role and what's his role?
1: Mm, yeah. Well, one of the things that I talk about in the book is he often will allow us to get to that point of kind of desperation which like I talked about in that garden of God, I'm about ready to quit. I'm ready to give up on this dream. And it's in that point where he meets us with some sort of an encounter. As I've studied and watched leaders throughout the years who are seeing the release of movements, there's this point of encounter. Uh, it can happen through a person who comes into their life Um a lot of people who are seeing movements, it was David Watson, you know, came into their life. They met David and boom, you know, they met this person who brought a different paradigm, a different way of thinking at a key moment where they're really feeling desperate for something different. Um, it can be just going through scripture. Um, Victor Chowdhury, you know, he he's another movement leader from India. He was talking with his wife about church planning, and she said, "Why don't you go through the book of Acts?" And you know, he dove into the book of Acts and said, "Wait, <laughs> the way it happened there isn't what we see today." You know, and there was this shifting in this uh, thing that took place in his life. But it's often through a crisis of some point where mm-hmm. you feel desperate. Um, Peter, as you mentioned, on the roof um, has this encounter, this vision, and his mind begins to change.
0: And what are some of those shifts that um, the patterns of shifts that you've noticed as you've watched God taking workers through the shift? What, What are some of the examples?
1: Yeah, well, one of them that I think is probably, I would say, one of the most crucial is the shift from believing that the pastors and leaders in the church, Christian professionals are the ones who do the work in the ministry to understanding that every disciple has been commissioned by Christ. Every disciple can make disciples. And in the book, I call it all. Um, I've got a little card here for yeah. those of you who are watching on the video, all it says, all appointed to accomplish all activities. So the mindset shift from some to all that everyone who's a follower of Jesus has been appointed and commissioned by Christ himself to do the work of the ministry. And, and um, that's a, something that's easy to intellectually assent to. But then in our practical outworking, we, we look to the clergy, we look to min- the ministers to do that work. Changing that mindset about, about who does the work. Um, and and then beginning to implement that makes a really big difference. Um, there's a a trainee who went through our getting started in disciple making movements course, and he's actually in the second level course we have called moving forward in disciple making movements. Um, his name is Johannes from Botswana, and um, Johannes, you know, went through the first. Course, his mindset started shifting he's realizing that the people in his church are actually his job is to equip them that they too can do the work of the ministry so he started he started not preaching to them but training them to do the work that uh, that needed to be done of reaching others and um, just the other day I got a text from him with some pictures of this lady who had been healed and uh, he said, I'm putting it into practice and it's working. I told them, they called me and said, come pray for this lady who's sick. And I I called them. Uh, I mean, they called me and I said, no, I'm not going to come pray for her because I've been teaching you that you can pray for the sick and you go and pray for her. And they did for the first time. And they prayed for this lady and she was miraculously healed. And they, you know, so he was sending me these pictures and saying, it's working, as I equip them to do the work of the ministry, they're doing it and they're seeing fruit. And so he's beginning to see just at the start, but beginning to see a shift. Not only in his first, it started with his mindset shifting mm. and then his behavior shifted. So he's training them. And now the actions that they're doing are shifting and the fruit is also shifting.
0: What are some of the other shifts that you've noticed?
1: It's it's this one. It's needs and um, ownership above offers. And this is a mindset shift from thinking that we need to provide for people's needs that we're trying to disciple to realizing that instead of that, we need to build ownership of the movement and of the vision so that they begin to give and contribute to it out of their own resources, even if it's the widow's might, Mm -hmm. but they start to give what they can. And you shift to ownership rather than offers or providing for them. Um, So often when people go into a new area to do church planning, they're raising money from outside, they're bringing in equipment, they're bringing in, uh, they're digging a well for them, they're doing something to offer something to the community. And um, there's nothing wrong with that but that's not the way that Jesus and Paul did it you know <laughs> and so again we want to go back to scripture how did you know how did it work in the new testament and um, so owner ownership building ownership by doing a community needs assessment what do they have in their hands that they can give even Jesus you know when he fed the 5000 he asked them to first give what they had you know their loaves and fishes and then in his hands it began to multiply to feed the the thousands that were there
0: so what's the the opposite then is that a a formulating a dependency mindset
1: yeah the opposite would be thinking that i need to provide for them Mm -hmm. um, as the church planner as the person going in or as the trained missionary and that i have to offer you know it's ownership above offer so i have to offer them something to make them want to know Jesus, you know, I have to offer them something physical, I need to go in and give out blankets to the poor, I need to, and that I'm responsible to provide them something that attracts them to the gospel, rather than going and saying, God's already working here, there's something here that he's doing, how do we, you know, how do we discover what they have already, and then help Mm -hmm. them to to bring that together to see what can be done um, for the kingdom and that the kingdom's already there in a seed form. How do we discover it? Another one that maybe I could mention is baptism. This is another key one. Um, Baptism for everyone by everyone. So that's perhaps one of the more controversial uh, chapters in the book. Um, But really digging deep into what does what does scripture say about who can baptize and what was the New Testament practice and how have we drifted today to a practice that actually limits the spread of the gospel in a rapid kind of way. So that's another another chapter. We've found that you can you can have the ordained clergy come in and baptize the disciples, but it's really different when local people, local disciples start to baptize that that sort of is a turning point where things begin to shift from addition growth into more multiplication growth. Well, I think it goes back to that all appointed for all activities that I talked about before the priesthood of all believers, because Mm. when they baptize someone that they've brought to Christ, there's a much higher sense of ownership to disciple Mm. that person. When it's just Mm -hmm. the clergy or just the pastor who is doing that, again, they think, oh, now they're a member of that church. The responsibility to shepherd and care for them is in their hands. So, again, um, empowering every disciple to actually make disciples, baptize people. And then um, often, too, and I tell this story in my book as well, things get bogged down. People want Mm -hmm. to obey Christ in baptism. But they've got to wait for the pastor to have time or for the the baptism uh, class to take place or in Nepal and some of the places where we worked, you know, the the high mountain areas, the pastors from Kathmandu, you know, don't have time to trek 20 days into that village uh, Mm. to baptize people. So when you empower local people to do what Jesus commissioned them to do. Suddenly, you start to see things uh, take off and begin to move forward. Okay, give us give us one more. I I think this this one enough. I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. We we look at ourselves and what we have to offer, and we think, you know, we have a, a limiting mindset. Either I don't have enough training, uh, I don't have enough understanding, I don't have enough money. We already Mm -hmm. talked about money a little bit. Um, I don't have a a big enough team or whatever it might be, (laughs) thinking Mm. that we are insufficient for the task of making disciples who would make disciples or of launching a movement. And uh, so, yeah, that chapter talks about what God's word says about our sufficiency in Christ and how he's given us everything we need for life and godliness and really shifting our mindset to say, I do have what it takes because he's in me and he's given me what I need. And um, yeah, so often we don't even recognize that in ourselves. I know I I didn't always recognize, you know, when I was saying that to myself, um, but it was coming out in my you know, waiting for such and such to happen. Or if I could just get mentoring from Steve Addison, you know, <laughs> if I could just have another talk with another great leader, he would help me know what I need to do, you know, and feeling limited. Um, so addressing that mindset is really key. Or again, I, you know, I hear lots of people saying, if I could just have a motorcycle, then I could travel and go to these other villages, or I could, you know, I I don't have enough, I don't have a motorcycle, I'm stuck here. And uh, changing your mindset to, okay, what do I have? And what could I do? Um, Maybe reaching people who are in the walking distance, you know, of, uh, of where you are, and then through some of them, they'll go uh, to their relatives in those other areas. But that limiting mindset of I don't have enough and shifting that to um, our sufficiency in Christ.
0: If it's my mindset, I, I'm not always aware of it. So how how do we become aware of the, which mindset uh, needs to be changed?
1: 17 mindset shifts is a lot for people to go through. And I'm pretty sure on almost everyone, you're going to find something that You think, wow, I didn't see that about myself. But God will highlight different ones as you go through the book. But we also developed an assessment quiz that people can take for free. This takes about seven minutes to go through, and it will help them to see which of these mindsets they should start with. Um, or you know, particularly focus on as they go through the book and um, pray about and think about. But yeah, there's there's usually more than one out of 17 that people need to think about. But it'll say it'll help you know which to start with.
0: But you could do it as a team, in the sense you you each team member could uh, take the quiz and then as a team you could wrestle with well, what are the common themes for us as a team? Yeah you know and and use the book as a as a guide through shifting some of those mind mindsets.
1: Absolutely. And the book does also have a reader's guide with discussion questions and things so it's really easy for teams to go through it. If people order in bulk, if you order 5 copies or more, you do get a free set of the cards sent to you that you can use and they've got the little discussion questions on the back as well and um, I found visuals help me, you know, so mm. having that card to look at and see that little uh, graphic helps it stick in my head better.
0: So what what are your hopes since the years as people work through the book, teams work through the book, what are you wanting to see happen?
1: Yeah, well, I, I believe God wants to give us fruit, that he's called us and chosen us to be fruitful and um when we're not experiencing fruitfulness we're stuck you know he wants to get us unstuck <laughs> and he wants to release that kind of multiplication that we're dreaming of and he's wanting to see through us and so as people go through the book i i think about my friend fred barrington who's a south african leader and uh, part of the YYM French Emissions leadership team, I think of Fred. And when Fred was a part of this process that we went through, we all went through of examining our mindsets, he began to change his thinking. He wasn't part of the original group, but he was part of the group that we added to it later on and began to uh, pass on some of these mindset shifts too. And Fred was discipling these three guys in uh, Malawi and Mozambique. And they were seeing... You know they were great guys. They were seeing some fruit among Muslims, but um, not not a movement yet. And uh, I remember Fred just you know thinking, "Wow, I'm not sure we're ever going to get to that multiplication that he had aimed for and dreamed of for so long." But as he began to go through these shifts, and he began to change and teach these guys, you know about the priesthood of all believers. And he began to teach about another one, which I didn't talk about, about relevant culturally relevant worship and uh, using worship that will spread fast and far because it's of the local people. And he began to do that. And they started, I I just talked to him the other day on my podcast, actually on dare to multiply, but um, Fred, Fred just began to pour into these guys, these mindset changes and, Each of those three guys have seen movements. One of the movements now has more than 5,000 Muslim background believers in it. They're at 10th generation. All of them have hit fourth generation. And um, so much of it was just these changing of mindsets. And Fred, the catalyst and the trainer, and then him passing that on to these guys that he was pouring his life into, making changes and thinking in him that made change in behavior and the way that he trained them um, keeping it easy keeping it simple and reproducible and um, today there's there's movements in those places those guys are leaders and training you know hundreds and hundreds of other people there as well
0: visit movements.net and episode 310 to follow the links to Cynthia's resources and also to find out how you can get a copy of The Multiplier's Mindset.